At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome Baptist Health Talk podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Baptist Health's Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. Alzheimer's disease is a brain disorder that slowly destroys memory and thinking skills and eventually robs people of the ability to do even the simplest tasks. While it's not the only cause of dementia, it is the most common cause among older adults. On a recent episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program, which I had the pleasure to host, a panel of experts brought us up to date on what is known about Alzheimer's and how it affects the lives of patients and caregivers. My guests were Dr. Khalid Hanafi, Chief of Neurology at Marcus Neuroscience Institute, part of Baptist Health, Dr. Gillian Generoso, an internal medicine physician with Baptist Health Primary Care, and Keith Gibson. Keith is the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Alzheimer's Association. Let's listen in. Keith, let's kick it off with you. Um, uh, we know you're here to tell us about the amazing work you do with the Alzheimer's Association, but I know you also have a personal experience with this terrible disease. Why don't you start by telling us about your personal experience regarding Alzheimer's? Absolutely. It is, it is my honor, privilege, and pleasure to be able to share um, my personal testimony experience. Um, I was a caregiver for my brother, Ronnie, who died at age 54 with vascular dementia. I tell you that to get that diagnosis was a bit of a challenge. Um, what triggered my brother's vascular dementia, he suffered two major medical events. He suffered a massive heart attack and a stroke at the same time. The heart attack left his heart severely damaged and the stroke left him paralyzed on his left side. At that time, the focus that seems to be only the focus of the doctors, just the medication of the heart condition and the physical rehab. But I knew that my brother had changed. There was a difference in him. And so I, I was talking to the attending physicians that said, listen, we need to have a complete workup regarding my brother. And they looked at me like I was, you know, had two sets of heads on my shoulders. And so it was a bit of a challenge for them to get referrals for the, to a neurologist and to a neuropsychologist so that we can get to that probable diagnosis of vascular dementia. It's hard. I mean, as a caregiver, I'm not going to lie and say it was all easy. I cried a lot and I also cussed a lot because not in front of my brother, of course, but it was just very painful for me to really, you know, you know, see my brother change right before my eyes. I mean, my I'm the youngest of nine. And so my brother, Ronnie, was very special. He was of all my siblings. He was my favorite uh, sibling. And to now see that, you know, him in that in that state that he couldn't do the things that he used to do, it was a bit of a challenge. And so I, I had to make that adjustment. And um, early on, you know, I was too busy focusing on the disease versus the relationship. And the moment I was able to pivot from focusing on the disease to the relationship, I became a better caregiver and it helped my brother to kind of like not focus on the disease. And we just accepted, you know, where he was at. And that really made a, a big difference. Um, my brother died 
from a, a heart attack. He suffered a, a you know heart attack because he had a panic attack that, that triggered his cardiac arrest. But um, I look at the work that I do today with the Alzheimer's Association, and it gives me an opportunity to continue to keep my brother's legacy alive and to provide you know hope for our caregivers and persons that are living with the disease. Uh, I mean, thanks for sharing that heartfelt um, um, you know, story. Um, and you touched on a lot of components, which I think are very relevant and we hope to go through here. Uh, first, the fact that here's a case of a dementia in a, in a young person. We sometimes think of it as an old person's disease. You speak of the medical systems and how it's not really geared to support necessarily all the needs of the individual. Um, but also then you talk about the impact on the family um, and I think these are all things that, uh, to your credit, you've harnessed your experiences for the better, and we'll have an opportunity to talk about the Alzheimer's Association as well. So again, thanks, thanks for kicking that off, and I think it uh, really sets the tone for the conversation to follow. Um, to that point, um, Khalid, if you would, um, let's talk about Alzheimer's in particular right now. What is Alzheimer's, to the best of your ability to explain, and what are the more common understood causes of Alzheimer's? Sure. Well, I mean, it's an... Uh irreversible brain disease that destroys memory thinking and the uh the ability to carry out daily activities and all of these things uh, will get worse over time in terms of the cause uh researchers researchers believe that there isn't any one cause but that it's uh probably multifactorial, where there are many things that probably contribute to it, like what uh, your gen what your genet what your genetics are, uh, your lifestyle and your environment. So um, I mean, what'd you say memory, thinking, ability to carry out daily activities? I mean, that's the kit and caboodle. Uh, you know, the higher level functioning of, 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 of human beings. So clearly very, very um, um, significant components and um, um, aspects of Alzheimer's that affect our daily living and beyond. Um, to that point now, um, Gillian, let's bring you into the conversation. Um, as a primary care doctor, um, do you find that you will recognize early Alzheimer's signs in people or more commonly people come to you saying, I'm feeling X, Y, and Z, and then you pick up Alzheimer's? So second question would be, and what are those signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's that we would generally tell people to pay attention to and when to seek help? So um, I would say that actually, most typically I see family members um, pointing out changes that they've seen in their, in their loved one. And um, one of the first things that they'll notice is their um, difficulty in forming new memories, recent memories, or um, problems with uh, name recall. So uh, patients who have known so-and-so all their lives and all of a sudden they can't name them. Um, so it's changes like that. And, um, uh, and then other times um, there's also a change in um, personality, just some subtle changes in personality. Um, or mood, and uh, also judgment. So, for example, you know, maybe leaving the, the stove on, very classic. Um, so, changes like that. And then the first step really towards evaluation is to see 
the primary doctor. Um, and then typically an office will do um, a cognitive test, just a short little cognitive test, and then maybe do some workup with labs. Um, so that's the initial step. When you say family members usually recognize the changes, which I think is a great piece of information to share, do they bring the person in or does the patient come in and it's the thought of, I'm concerned they have Alzheimer's or it's just something's going on, what do you think? I mean, is it in people's mind uh, as, a, as something to be anxious about or concerned about or it's just really more the symptoms that are driving them to come in? Um, it, it really depends. Uh, sometimes it is the patient who's concerned about you know, I'm having more problems with recalling, um, and you know, I'll talk to my I'll talk to my daughter, and we're talking on the phone, and she tells me, you know, we just talked about that. How come we can't remember? So sometimes it is the patient, and then sometimes it is a family member that takes the patient in for uh, you know to to talk to the doctor about it. Keith, back back to you. Um, we know that Alzheimer's significantly impacts the the sufferer of Alzheimer's. You did mention that you were the caregiver for your brother, what resources weren't available. Um, for a caregiver, a family member, a loved one, or whatnot, of someone who's recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's, any particular advice you'd give as they're learning this new reality of um, um, being involved with and giving care for someone who's, who has Alzheimer's? Uh, that's a great question. Um, the best, there's two bits of pieces of advice I, I would highly recommend. One is being open to being a change agent, be being willing to change because your loved one has changed. Secondly, is to be a good manager. And, and, and when I say manager, uh, manage, managing one's emotions so that they can manage their loved one's care. Do you find that people's first responses to someone with Alzheimer's might be wrong or, or might benefit from higher levels of, of understanding of the disease process? In other words, when the caregiver becomes more educated, they're able to manage better the patient as well as themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, one thing, there's a lot of misinformation that's out there. And so, you know, by them going to a trusted source, that can provide information that's evidence-based, they're going to be able to be, like I said, that, that good student and that better manager. Because again, you one of the things you got to manage is your emotions. Like I said earlier, I, I cried a lot and I cussed a lot because, you know, I was frustrated. But at the, at the same time too, um, focusing on the relationship, um, I, our family, you know, we we are we have a you know the men in our family. It's not uncommon for us to hug and kiss and kiss each other. And you know, the best medicine that's readily available is the emotion of love. They respond to love. If you just simply my just simply tell them that you love them. I mean, there will be days that my brother would come back and say to me, "I was bad, wasn't I?" And I want to tell him, oh, my God, how bad you were. But I, I didn't. And I said, you know what? I love you so much. And that just disarmed him. And he says, I love you, too. And we would hug and kiss each other. And just to let him know, it doesn't matter. We're in this thing together. Now, did you get to that point based on your learning? I, I'm sure. And again, we'll have time to talk about it. It's frustrating when you want someone 
to perform a certain way. You expect them to respond a certain way and they just can't. So what you just said, that higher end, that higher level of hug and patience and love, was that something you were taught or you learned or is that just something innately you you came to in your own? Well, your own? I'll be very honest. Early on in my caregiving, I was a terrible caregiver because I was too busy focusing on the disease because I, you know, they always say a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Well, I had a lot of knowledge about the disease. So I figured I'm going to apply that right to my brother. And you know what? That made it so much difficult because again, like I said, I was too busy focusing on the disease and the fact that, you know, there was no, you know, there was no cure. So I was trying to manage it from, you know, that aspect. But then when I just simply threw all that out the door, I said, you know what? This is my brother. I love him. You know, he needs me right now. So I'm going to focus on him as being my brother and that connection. That's what helped me to be able to be the best caregiver that I can possibly be. And and, and that's what I truly was at the very end. We There would be times when my other siblings would come around us and we would be just having a ball and they were like, he's got Alzheimer's. And so, and you know, and I'm like, and so what? He's still a human being. He's still our brother. Relate to him, even though he can't relate to us in in this moment. But he can. There are points of references to the past that we can walk down memory lane with them on, and that makes them feel like they're relevant. They're part that they that they're important. Um, appreciate again those heartfelt uh, comments and and even recommendations, Um, Khalid. Now. We're talking about Alzheimer's as a particular form of dementia. Uh, we know people are very attuned to it. Forget something, it's, oh my God, is it Alzheimer's? Make a little joke sometimes. Speak a little bit about what could be normal forgetfulness, if you will, or normal, you know, uh, Gillian mentioned forgetting a name or forgetting uh, something, a recent recent short-term experience. Uh, is that always a sign of dementia or are there other t- normal aging process type of changes in our mental state, which would be less of a trigger for if you forget where your keys are that's okay and that's part of actually what we probably all do many times per day but if you forget your keys and they're in the freezer that's a problem because that means that you actually placed your keys in the freezer and thought that that was a normal place for them to be again confusion about the day of the week or time of the day i think today's tuesday but i mean generally i can be off by a day these kinds of things are okay um 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 uh i can tell day versus night those kinds of things and because everyone has a uh watch or phone it's very easy to get external reinforcement about those things. But if you don't know what month it is, what season it is, these are problems, other things. So um, if you're at the uh, mall and you forget how to get to the ice cream shop or something like that, because malls are huge now, um, that's okay. But if then when you get back into your car, you forget how to drive home, that's a problem. 
So again, it's just these ideas that 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 we do expect to not be quite as um, sharp uh, uh, in our more mature years. But if you forget to the point where you can't perform normal activities of daily living, then that's when I would start to get a bit more uh, concerned. Um, I appreciate I appreciate that even in terms of the things that I could experience that uh, would, would be considered normal, if you will. How about the aging component? Do those things, do we notice them more as we get older or do we know that as we get older, there might be a concentration deficit or you might actually have, you know, like I said, put the keys down. Is it, I forgot where I put them or I just wasn't even paying attention because I had so many things in my head. Uh, is that an aging issue or is it just something people are more aware of when they get older because they're a little concerned? I think it's hard uh, 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 to tell. It's probably some from um, column A and B. I mean, we know that this is, that, that, that this is a very important disease. Uh, that we need to be in tune with, as as Keith brought up. So I think that there's a lot of positive reinforcement out there to be sure that you know what are the signs of any form of uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, vascular, this and that. But I think that there is for, for, for um, uh, and this is why we think that it's part of having this uh, disease. What happens over time is that the brain cells in your brain do uh, start to build stuff up in them. And this does cause problems. There are people that build stuff up in their brain faster than other people. So it's the two things. I mean, it's good to know, just like with anything, hypertension, myocardial or heart attacks, right? Like all of these things, you're expecting them later on. So you're more attuned to them, but uh, 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 it's key too to know that in your more mature uh, years, just be a little bit more careful, you know, a bit less, um, uh, well, well, just try to take care of yourself. So, so that's a great segue uh, to Gillian for a question to you. Was mentioned, we don't exactly know what causes Alzheimer's. Um, are there certain things associated with the risk of Alzheimer's? Um, uh, again, talk a little bit about heredity of a family member. Are there any lifestyle things? And maybe even other forms of dementia. What are the lifestyle components that may be we may do to decrease the risks of, of dementias, Alzheimer's if possible, or others as well? So speak a little bit about you know, what may predispose people to Alzheimer's and what one can do to try and decrease the chance of dementia as one gets older. Alzheimer's is usually multifactorial. So there is a genetic component, um, so you're more you're more at risk if uh, you have a, a family member who's affected. But also, um, lifestyle has a lot to do with it. So um, the research tells us that um, uh, there are certain risk factors for developing Alzheimer's or or associated with Alzheimer's, um, and those are things like hypertension, 
um, prior stroke, diabetes, um, being obese or overweight. So, um, and again, some of those are related to uh, diet, um, whether or not you're physically active. Um, and those are things that we, we may have some control over during the course of our lifetime. Um, so again, the general healthy lifestyles are multifactorial in their benefits. And as you said, eating right, exercising, blood pressure, cholesterol control, all those things play in well for, for vascular dementia, especially But the Mikey points. But if, if a family member has Alzheimer's, does that have any impact on an individual's risk? Uh, again, in terms of, um, um, healthier life to, to promote a healthier lifestyle, et cetera. Is there a genetic component? There are some um, genes that have been identified as, um, uh, you know, causing Alzheimer's um, that can be passed on. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not 100% that, you know, if you have a family member, you're certainly going to get it, although that the risk is certainly higher. Um, Keith, I, I don't want to be, we'd be remiss if we didn't give you a chance to spend a little time uh, talking about the Alzheimer's Association. I think, again, the points you make are, are very are great. I saw in your particular evolution, like you said, I think at the beginning, it's you're concerned about yourself and how you're affected by your brother, but then you transition in. How, how am I here to help him? So if you speak a little bit about you know the, the Alzheimer's Association, what are the resources available to caregivers and patients with Alzheimer's, and specifically you know what you see in that, that caregiver evolution um, um, in uh, patients with Alzheimer's? Absolutely. And when it comes to care and support, I mean, we have um, some amazing programs. Um, in terms of, you know, our helpline, a 1-800 number, the 1-800-272-3900 is is the most important and most impactful go-to. We have programs that um, a person can attend now in person, or online through a webinar, or they can um, sign up and get programs that they can watch on demand. I mean, as a caregiver, you know, it's kind of hard um, to, to really educate yourself right in the midst of caregiving. But like, say, for example, at night when your loved one is sleeping, you can uh, plug into all, uh, all programs anytime and, um, and be able to watch educational um, family consumer education programs that will help you. Um, and again, another resource is attending a support group. Here, that's gonna allow you to hear from other caregivers who are experiencing the challenges and, and you may be able to get pick up information from them that can help you in your caregiver journey. Because you know it's so important to realize that you're not in this by yourself, but being in a, a part of a support group you will, you will develop a relationship with an extended family of caregivers who will be able to be there for you to talk to, to help you as you go through that. And also learn about research. Research, I mean, this is an exciting time when you talk about, you know, what all is going on in the world of research. Uh, that gives people hope. Right now, I, I'm super excited to share that we have uh, an, a, a health initiative that the Alzheimer's Association and the Department of Elder Affairs have teamed up with to kind of like create a, a dementia-friendly Florida where we can educate people about the knowing the 10 warning signs and to know about the resources that are readily available because we encourage individuals, you know, the moment that you see something going on, please don't dismiss it. 
get it checked out. And if you go to your, if you go to your doctor, your doctor, you tell them, hey, I'm experiencing some memory loss, and they dismiss you by saying, well, there's nothing I can do. That's just the normal part of aging. Please seek a second opinion because then you want to be able to put yourself on a path that's going to help you to, you know, get the right information that you need that you can develop, you know, a more proactive approach so that you can be proactive versus being reactive. To our listeners, if you have a comment or a suggestion for future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.